0: Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your Ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks. On today's show, we're going to be talking ski tuning with Chris Hillier from Sidecut Tuning. What drew me to want to talk and interview Chris was a couple of things. Chris has a very fine attention to detail, which all great ski tuners do. But Chris is also a very experienced and highly regarded ski coach to the highest level, so World Cup. So Chris has an understanding of technique and the finer details of tuning skis. And you'll find out more about his company Sidecut who makes ski tools that are very like precise and beautiful and, and lovely to use because you'll hear in his story how he got into creating them. His family has a history in designing uh, CNC machinery and, and, and things to a very high level. So this person is going to give you information not only on how to tune your skis really well, but relates it back to how that affects your ability to ski and improve your skiing skills. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. There are a ton of takeaways. I think one of the biggest ones is when you get a brand new pair of skis, for the most part, I just take them out of the wrap and put the bindings on and I ski them. And now I'm going to be taking a a lot more care in making those skis, as Chris describes, like a five or six out of 10 as a lot of skis come and and turning them into a 10 out of 10. And that's not because skis come out of the factory not great. It's just because everyone has a personal preference and a, a way that their skis are going to be tuned that is going to get the best out of them. So as they come, you actually want to do a couple of things that Chris will discuss in this podcast to make those skis really hum. And I know I've felt the difference between a great tuned ski and one that's not so good. And and really, that's it. It's not often down to the brands. It is the ski tune that is really what you're feeling and makes or breaks a great skiing experience. I think you're going to get a ton of takeaways from this episode. It's a fantastic one and it's inspired me to get uh, expand my tuning equipment pieces and to take more time in not only doing my skis really well but my wife's and my son's and any guests that i I ski with i will be really uh, pushing and promoting the fact that you want to tune your skis and make them like a 10 out of 10 every time for when you get on the snow now final note Big Picture Skiing is my company and the goal is to help skiers improve through understanding all the little nitty-gritty details, the things that like you'll find out in this podcast, but with all aspects of your skiing. And then making sure you have simple feelings and actions to be able to take onto the hill and improve your skiing. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please go to bigpictureskiing.com and now you can also access all the content on an Android and iOS app, making it far easier to review content, find out a tip while you're on the lift or having coffee at the mountain. You can download videos offline to view them for later on a, on a flight when you're uh, traveling to, the, to your next ski destination. So if, if knowing the details, improving your skiing is something you're into, please go check out bigpictureskiing.com and you can get 25% off uh, any subscription by being a listener to the Big Picture Skiing podcast. All you have to do is enter podcast in capitals at the checkout, and that coupon code will take twenty five percent off any membership. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the show with Chris Hillier talking about ski tuning. Hey Chris, can we start this podcast off with a little of your background because you you started this company, Sidecut Tuning, but where where did the where did the journey begin that brought you to that point? Yeah, sure. Um,
1: well. I mean, I ski raced as a, as a youngster. I started skiing young, not that young. In fact, I probably started around four kids now start at two, my little guys too. So I'm going to start them at two. Um, but then I jumping forward a bunch of years past all that. When I, when I, after high school, I moved out to Whistler and I taught skiing for one year. And at that same time, I was going through in Canada, you do your coaching levels. And your ski instruction levels. They were combined and they were really combined back in the day. And um, I always wanted to go down the stream of coaching more than instruction, but you had to do both. Anyway, I was on a coaching course and one of the Canadian ski team World Cup techs brought in an angle. It was literally a piece of steel, um, nothing really done to it. And he was using it as a guide to file skis. Well, my family had been in the precision machining business since 1936 in fact and so I'd grown up around rebuilding Porsche engines my dad built a race car we used to go racing in the states with it and um, all these things so it was sort of really obvious to me what that little piece of metal was and what I could do with it that could be better and I guess that was the moment when it started I thought well I could make that way better not in an e- egocentric way. Anyway, I just thought in my back of my head, oh, that would be cool to, to make that. I don't, I don't need to copy that. I can make that. And that's sort of where Sidecat was born. And then I flew back that summer back to Ontario where I grew up. And um, I would go out on the night shift at my family's plant, <laughs> unbeknownst to my uncles. And uh, I just started, I started machining tools and get the, get the workers in the shop to set up the CNC machines and program them into my ideas. And then, and then it was sort of just, that's when it all started.
0: So what year was that?
1: That was 1990. I
0: want to say 91. Okay. So on, you're obviously, you're interested in making better equipment because more precision, better equipment can do a better job more easily. When did you realize that like tuning of equipment when you get to a really high level is like a big piece of the puzzle or a big, critical factor, I should say?
1: I think I realized it really young from my father. He taught me how to tune skis. I'd hold it down on the carpet. I had a tuning room from the age of, I don't know, nine or 10. And I'd go down there and I'd put vinyl records on. I love music and I'd play music, and I'd tune skis, even at that age, and um, he would come down for things that I couldn't do, or that I didn't understand, and he would show me how to how to file a ski, and so I always did it by hand, without tools, well, not totally true, there were some tools, I remember an old plastic gadget that helped remove the sidewall a little bit, but I didn't really know anything about the the, the strict nuances of you know sidewalls and top sheets and base bevel I just knew I had to create an edge <laughs> and make it yeah. sure to do the best yeah. I could in the race and then wax the skis you know that's that's what I knew so I got a, I got a, I got a feel for it quite young I would say
0: yeah okay and and you've tuned skis to what kind of level now like world cup level well I
1: last last I'm a coach first so I was always, um, that was my passion. I always wanted to be a coach. I didn't really know what level, but I devoted my life to that. I, I, I went to university and studied um, sports science and elite coaching. Um, and um, yeah, I just, that, that's what I wanted to do. And I got into coaching education, certified many coaches around the world. In fact, started Australia's coaching education system. Um, ran that for I don't know I think 11 or 12 years wow uh, that was great so I didn't answer your question one bit there but (laughs) um, what level did I have I tuned to well last year I was at the uh, I worked with a British athlete alongside the Swiss ski team which was a really wonderful experience I I worked for many years as a coach 25 years I I retired I'll explain this so it makes more sense seven eight years ago I retired from coaching or I took a break I mean I was flying 120,000 miles a year I lived in Austria for I think eight years Norway in the winters for three and a lot of years of traveling you know both both hemispheres I think I did I don't know 16 seasons in Australia three in New Zealand and and a lot of years back and forth in Chile and Argentina and so you know what it's like, it's just it got to be to a point in my life where I want to take a break. And I did, and I thought I would just take sort of a, let's call it a sabbatical <laughs> for a year or two. And then I thought I had this idea one day I was working in Norway alongside the, we teamed up when I was working with this British athlete with the Norwegian team. And um I was standing on the hill. It was minus forty, not unlike what it is in Whistler right now. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get in my Volkswagen and I'm going to drive around, and and visit ski clubs with my old connections and and teach people how to tune, just to get a break from coaching and do something different. I had no idea it would ever turn into this, you know. Wow. And so last year, moving forward about seven, eight years, an athlete that I retired with, which was was a fantastic skier, absolutely amazing. He actually. For his age, he was second in the world in giant slalom, um, actually behind Henrik Kristoffersen when I retired. Wow! And then I, 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 I had enough. Nothing to do with him. Just, just needed a break from the sport. And um, then they sort of summoned me back in into coaching over the last couple of years, and I went back and I worked alongside the I had an old connection with the Swiss uh, Swiss head coach. And as he did, and uh, we had a collaboration with the Swiss ski team. And um, with the goal of qualifying him for the Beijing Olympics this year, last year, he did. And he came 12th in the combined.
0: Nice. So I'll so tell I, you dude, why. He,
1: he's at the, I had a technician last year because okay. with coaching, you got to have a tech at that level. So I hired a tech from Bulgaria, a really great guy. I took him to um A lot of great texts are from Slovenia and Italy. I mean, they're from there's some great ones from all over the world. I shouldn't just say that, but at that level, you find a lot of Slovenians and Italians typically the best ones in the world. And um I took him down to be trained because I didn't want to train him all myself because I was coaching and I didn't want to have that relationship with him. So I took him to down to um the south to see there in Slovenia, across on the border of Italy, and I trained. He trained there um with a really one of the world's greats in my opinion and um then we brought him back up and he's and then uh, we used him all season but because of Beijing and the whole COVID thing and all that we couldn't get him into the Olympics we didn't have the accreditation spots and so I was uh, I was tuning and
0: coaching, coaching. so here's ski,
1: technical skis everything so what level I've that's the highest level i've tuned to
0: well here's why i guess i asked that i mean i knew you were to a high level but i was trying to set the stage for this when you get to that level like i'm I'm not sure how it works in terms of you're doing some training with this athlete that's at the top top of their game they come down the the day's done how does it then go with them talking with the tech and the coach to then what happens overnight with the skis like okay i think we actually need to adjust this i think you'll ski better on whatever it is a different base grind a different uh tune like how is there something to that can explain that process it's i can't give you a a gen i can't
1: i can't really give even give you a generalized answer answer because it's so specific to different teams i've worked with so many different national teams different countries that Predominantly, I worked for national teams that didn't have massive budgets, Australia, New Zealand. Um, I worked for the Dutch team also, Men's Europa Cup many, many years ago. They had a big budget or bigger budget. Um, Canada had a decent budget back when I did my formative years of sort of, let's call it elite coaching when I was in university with them. Um, And British and I don't know, other teams i can't think of right now but um all the teams that have a large staff it seems to me collaborating with them and working with them a lot of the coaches don't really guide the techs i came from a totally different place from my upbringing and so on so i always have guided techs or or if or i i Athletes need to know how to tune skis to a really super competent, competent level, in my opinion, because they then they can describe to their text what the the nuances that they want to feel. If you can't
0: I that's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Because I I, I want to hear it from your angle, not like what are you like what are some things can you like probably because you've tuned skis a lot and you understand how that affects the behavior of the ski. And then if an athlete has done enough, they can tell something's maybe not quite right like i'm watching the f1 you know the the netflix series and all that sort of stuff where the driver's like oh my god it's understeering and like that's the kind of stuff that's going to be communicated and you're going to try and figure out am i am i right 100 it is formula one alpine ski racing is a snow version of
1: formula one at that level it is the the details and the precision is to me in my coming also coming from auto racing it is Totally like, what's is, an so example
0: I- of like, like a really little thing that you know, no one like instructors and stuff wouldn't ever bother with, but you would bother with and could could really make an athlete go, "Wow, I felt so much better on training because of what you did tuning last night." Can you give us an oh, example of one? There's so many. There's so many. Um,
1: well, for example, um, like when I started tuning Jack skis, Jack Gower was the athlete I was working with last year, um, and have for many years. Uh, I guess all up six or seven, I can't remember. And, um, you know, he would say, I would say, how do the skis feel? I'll give you an example. When, when the new tech was, was took over and he said, they feel pretty good. I said, well, have you spoken to him?" So I would, I would sort of guide him, but he didn't really need guidance. When you're at World Cup, you don't really need guidance, but they go down and talk to their techs. I, as a coach, go down and talk to the techs. Some coaches don't, some do. So in in this particular case that has come to my mind, you know, he'd he'd come to me and say, "Uh, the skis skis aren't, the, the tuning's not good enough. And I'd say, okay, well, let me talk to the tech. And so we would talk and I would go down and watch how he was tuning the skis. And then I would just give, you know, my input on how to do it better. Because all the tuners are really competent, right? But they have some of them have their own ways, and 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 they're, and they're, and and it might not be. You have to have that dialogue with the athlete because everybody's um, the details of skis can be can be can have differences that one World Cup athlete might love and another just won't go fast on, just can't win with that setup you know so the way that the base edge is profiled on the tips and tails some might like a quarter of a degree higher on the tips and tails some may not it might run it identically identical all the way from tip to tail so for example maybe the maybe on a super g ski they run the one one athlete likes the ski all the way 0.5 and 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 loves that another skier doesn't like that because he doesn't doesn't have the freedom of expression on the ski or the ski he can't run the line the way he wants to the ski gets stuck and so then you can't release it's like having abs on the car a good amazing tuner said that to me once and it really resonated with me and that's exactly what it's like you would feel that you
0: know yeah i i know the first time i
1: any 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 competent skier look even a beginner absolute this is the thing that sort of perplexes me about ski instruction is that a lot of and this is no disrespect because of course at all but a lot of the ski instructors and coaches can't identify when the cause of the problem is the tuning when it's the equipment you know it's always boots or, or tuning so if you can rule out boots that could be another <laughs> podcast uh, and 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 we've just focused in on tuning my like there's so many things that that are affecting beginners out there on the hill i can watch them or powder skiers when they come out of the powder particularly in in whistler i can tell their base bubble is wrong just by the way their knees are shaking yeah
0: (laughs) you know okay they got the water all right well let's let's get to that then because i i think we we had a good question which is when like i'm about to arrive in america in like a week's time there's a new pair of skis there waiting for me from the factory, not being touched outside of there. You mentioned most of the time I just ski and that's just been, uh, you know, what I do. I get a new pair of skis, I'm just skiing. And then often I'll feel, oh, I want to change this or that, but I'll just ski it. What do you think is a good process to go through to really make those new skis hum? Because um, I think you even said like new skis come like skiing about like a four or five out of 10 or something yeah. like a lot of, even though they're like primo, really good ones. What, yeah. what can you do to, to make them a 10 out of 10 for that first day on snow? Right. They, again, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. And particularly ski factories, because the
1: skis do look primo as you to quote you there. I mean, they look wonderful to the eye, but they're not, they are literally a five out of 10. So at the, at the elite level, you can't take a ski. Even when i pick up skis at the factory, right from the race room, top shelf, you have to come home and perform the nuances on it before it hits the snow for that elite athlete. And in my opinion, I don't think it should be any different for someone out there wanting to enjoy the day more and have more fun on their their skis. You spend so much on the sport and so much on the skis and the equipment. And then that little thing on the snow, you've got it slightly off. And you don't recognize what a wonderful difference it makes to just having way more fun. Forget about how fast you go. It's just where everything works better. And you can,
0: and your skill level goes up immediately. A that's, I think that's, I think a, a mixed misconception, isn't it? Like you tune yeah. things and everything goes faster. Oh no, I'm going to have less control. No way. But you have way more control. Yeah, You have a way
1: better base of support platform to balance against and then you can do you like the fundamental skills of skiing just go you don't even need a coach <laughs> for 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 a period just to go wow this is amazing i i mean because you for, know for a lot of people just recreational skiers it's in their the picture of what they want to achieve is in their head
0: yeah a lot of times so with,
1: the problem is the tuning
0: so and without the, you like, give them
1: the tuning it's like they just they're like perplexed my god i didn't i can ski so much better yeah well
0: they just yeah because for me i'm probably thinking a ski that's a five out of of ten is like a 10 out of 10 because i've maybe never had that i can remember a couple of skis and you you know Gord brown he'd had his hands on them and i can just remember just yeah the word that comes to mind is the skis felt easy to ski so it's just easier so i could actually just focus on what i had to do uh, more simply but if we if we come back to me again and my new skis you don't have to tell us in detail but what to say some of the steps because i know you've got a great youtube channel that actually goes through a lot of tutorials on this you run uh workshops going around teaching this but if i'm then to like go and look up these what are some of the yeah some of these steps i could go to make that 10 out of 10
1: well, well, I'll keep it very simple. I mean, the first thing you're going to do—I'm just holding this tool in my hand. you just happen to have it. This wasn't <laughs> staged, by the way. Um, this is a this is our new base bevel tool, for example. And and so what I would what I do right away is I check the I, I check the tuning on the tips and tails. Typically, from the factory, it's a little bit aggressive. So we we do what's called profile or detail the tips and tails say five to 10 centimeters from the tip back and from the tail forward. And so you place this particular guide on the ski. So if the fact, I get this question all the time, by the way, my skis, the factory said my skis are on this. Well, have you verified that and how do you know? (laughs) And it doesn't really matter because it's, it's based on your skill, your strength, literally your strength, how, how strong you are and the discipline of ski you're on. If you're on a powder ski, slalom ski, GSK, ski, super G downhill, but long story short, you can watch the videos and learn more about that, but um, long story short, you want to do that on the tips and tails. So for example, I don't think there's anything wrong with what, what, what you're doing. You try the skis out on, on snow for, I, I don't, I wouldn't say four or five days. I would say four or five runs <laughs> and then they would go to the tuning room. At the highest level, they don't even get a chance to really try them. They get they get what I'm about to describe to you done prior to the even hitting the snow because we know that they're going to want that. So you take, so for example, if the ski, let's say the ski is ground at the factory on 0.5 on the base edge, 0.5 of a degree, 0.5. So that's a very aggressive edge. That's That's tough. That's unskiable for a lot of skiers. It's just, it's just too stuck. It doesn't have any freedom. It's hard to steer. It doesn't skid. You can't stop it. Well, it's not not user friendly for the majority of skiers out there. Anyway, um, you take a point five guide like this. You put insert um, a, a, a file or a diamond stone or whatever you're using that 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 those nuances can be described in the videos. But and then I check to see if it is on point five and often more times out of 10. And again, it's not disrespect to the factories. If they can make skis that were tailor-made to everybody's individual needs, God, they wouldn't, they would cost a lot more. A lot more money. A lot more money. And you can't really, I mean, they're, they come out of five out of 10 and that's not, I don't think that's um, disrespectful. Skis made
0: Yeah, most of the time I'm I'm enjoying
1: it. Yeah, yeah. And we'd have to tune them every single day, you know. And so I do that on the tips and tails or techs do that on the tips and tails at 0.5 and pull off any steel to verify it's on 0.5 because if any steel comes off then it clearly wasn't on 0.5 and before I said 0.5 is very difficult to ski so if it's less than 0.5 and it's say 0.3 or even less that's unskiable to the general public literally it's not a nice feeling at all so you want to make it 0.5 on the tips and tails or and then go test and then if it still feels too grippy too aggressive I'm just talking about the base edge right now too grippy too aggressive the beautiful thing is you can come back to the tuning bench and you can do the tips and tails on a quarter of a degree more or 0.2 of a degree more, do them on 0.7 you know and and that's sort of what you do you test and you you change these little nuances the beautiful thing about the base edge is unless you hit rocks you leave it for the season or in your case you're probably skiing 120 days you're gonna have to regrind your skis probably once a season for sure yeah if you
0: and i like that point that you said like if i was first time doing this just check it and then i could experiment with having like i don't know three centimeters of of like a 0.7 base bevel or like if it's already at 0.7 a, a one base bevel and then oh i like that maybe i could test a little another centimeter further and, and like it's going to be an individual thing um, yeah
1: it, it has, has a huge impact, try. especially.
0: On, on all levels
1: elite level obviously massive um you know it's that description i gave you before like having abs um the skier can they can really attack with the line they can run really deep with confidence but if the ski is feels like it's railing you don't have any confidence see carving and railing are two very different things and and so and, and so that's a really important thing to understand as well. But we won't get too technical on this. <laughs> so, we uh, check the, so we got
0: checked it. So we got checked the base base bevel. Check the base. And I've done and that. Now what should
1: automation. I? And and again, that's a lot of people say to me, "Hey, I don't want to touch the base edge. I'll let the ski shop do that, or I just do the side edges." The thing that impairs skill development or that affects skiing more than anything else is the base edge. So this is this is amazing thing that people don't know, especially powder skiers. Like you think in the powder you don't need any base bevel, yeah, but you still gotta unless you're totally backcountry skiing. But even if you're on the side of a, you know,
0: the side cut, like, like, yeah, slug. gone out of bounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. You hit it's, some hard stuff. Snow. If your
1: base bevels off, and and it's grabbing, and and your skis are starting to do all this. Well, that's a very unnerving thing. I, I can't stand that. I want to be able to grab. And jump in, or whatever I need to do to
0: have
1: know, a good time in that kuar For example, I'm, I'm talking powder skiing now, or, or wherever I am. And the same thing applies for, you know, for younger kids. Younger kids to make it easy for them, or the general public who are intermediate skiers. You really want to make it easy for the ski to turn and to build confidence and motivation on the ski, so they have have fun. Or otherwise, skiing's not it's just, it's just, it's frustrating, you
0: know? Yeah. I think I, I was telling you before when we were lining this show up, it was those skis, actually the the vocal GS ones there. Yeah. I, I bought them off someone, a racer who actually never skied on them and they were, they'd been tuned and I skied on them and they, I couldn't, they, they, they were railing. Like yeah. they, I couldn't carve them. Like at the end of the turn, the ski would just grab and it was very unnerving, as you said and i went and took them to a shop and they said oh i think the the structure in the edge i was like okay i didn't know that was a thing but then they so they ground it and and uh, or like redid the edges Oh, the edges too sharp at the tip and the tail and yeah they do these things it's still skied the same and then like one guy just reground the whole like base and actually the base seemed to be the thing that was making this thing track straight and i couldn't kind of guide it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could now talk about like, uh, I don't it know, could, jump it, it can be,
1: you know, if you have a very, very linear grind, very deep and linear, it affects That's what way, it was. It affects the way the ski tracks a hundred percent. I would still, you know, I, I would also, I would guess without, I would say you needed to profile the tips and tails. You needed three things. You needed that, that tool, that tool and a file. That's, what that's i think now need. too and if you don't want to expend that money on that then you buy the really great even i've even seen a lot of world cup guys use top tuners use the plastic versions of these and they're like 15 bucks so for that a diamond stone in a file i mean that's going to change so much and i believe that would have changed a lot that day for you aside yep. from
0: the structure which correct it does affect the way the ski turns uh, I, like reflecting now i think that's probably what also got changed with it and probably was the edge more uh, because it was like the guy Ronnie at the bottom of Threadbow, yeah. and he had his new machine and did a 0.5 underfoot 0.7 tip and tail. So it just all got redone again, like blanked out again, but you know, put those dimensions in and yeah, I was like, Oh, this ski is so night much day. fun. Yeah. yeah. Night and day, night and day. Yeah. That's um, a good point, Tom, because you know, a lot of people also, they
1: try a ski or you go to a demo, demo day, you know, you're trying all the skis. And a lot of the times, you know, you're not, you're, you're testing tuning more than you're testing the ski because you could retune that ski that you gave bad marks to and go, oh my gosh, what, or you could ski it later in the season. And go, I never liked that ski. Oh, we'll try it because you're with your buddy and he's on it. All right, same boot. Let me try it. That doesn't even feel like the ski I was on I'm testing. Of course, there's so many parameters that change the snow and everything but honestly the tuning makes a huge difference on those
0: on all those demo fleets so so what should i check also on my my new skis i'm gonna the tip and tail base edge and, and so that's that the check. main thing do that okay. first
1: and i think okay. it's a good idea for people to you know at, at the elite level we don't really do that but but uh try your new skis you know get a feel get for a baseline them. it's also good to break them in you know and you know for a day and then and then go to the put them on the bench and uh and take that base bevel guide and put the file in it and, and if you think if, i mean if you don't know anything about base edge angles we have a really great chart a grid on our website that tells you all the way from younger athletes all the way to world cup skiers uh, generally uh what their base bevel should be and what their side edge should be
0: all the way from park and pipe skiers to slalom skiers and everything in between perfect so that was there, there we go we've covered that bit because i was going to be like yeah. okay with archie turning five what should i be so i can yeah. go find all that out i can find out what would be good for my wife for me with my new powder skis and and okay cool so on sidecut yeah yeah there's a, there's uh, a, there's a pdf where you can just
1: download and um,
0: that's sidecut. awesome
1: and then go to the education tab and then under the written instruction section, you'll see those PDFs to download, and you'll see uh, an educational video there: how to tune skis. It'll 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 be in there as well. We made a video years ago that I would have never guessed. I mean, these days it's not that many hits, but I think it has around one hundred forty thousand views. But a lot of club ski club parents and 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 now ski instructors, which is really cool, have been turned on to that video, and. Um, we made it, you know, close up so you can actually, we, we built it so that it's just 10 simple tools. And uh, that's our intro tuning kit on our website. I'm not, this is not a sales pitch, but I'm just, that's a
0: fact. That's how No, I think that's, yeah, I think that's to good to know. It. Cause I, I want to get into that as well. Yeah. What, what are the basics um, and, and quickly, sorry to cut you off there, but I was just yeah. thinking, I know you're, you're an educator first. Like you love, that's your thing. You love educating I just now I'm like, oh, I'm interested now to go ski these new skis for half a day, take note of how they feel. And then when I go tune them, see if I can feel in the tune some things, maybe I was like, oh, I kind of sense that or whatever. That'd be a really good learning process instead of just handing it off. Yeah, And then you never like, you can never put the two things together, like what you're feeling. And then the, the, like, that's why you're recommending athletes really tune their own skis to a high level so they can so they can make that relationship yeah
1: yeah and i really i mean i'm generalizing but i really have never met an elite skier that can't tune really well
0: that's true and and,
1: and that that doesn't go for um male and female either that's the same across the board um when i worked with you know europe cup for example women in australia some world cup skiers in there too um they all were really good tuners and if they weren't i would help them to to be better tuners um but they were all very confident even when i met them in their they were they would have been in their
0: early 20s at the time yeah hey so uh, i i jumped around here but i just had that memory you're talking about the slovenian guy and jack he went down he said the skis are not good enough you went down and watched can you give an example of then like a what maybe could have changed in the way maybe was the, the, the sequence of steps or what, what, what was it? Because did Jack feel better the next time he skied because of how the tuning was done? Yeah. So I
1: went down and I spoke to the technician and, and well, I would talk to him and I'd say, look, it's um, just stating factual things, you know, like it's super, I mean, this nose injected, it's super, you know, it's rock hard up there. Jack needs sharper skis. He, he, he skis better. I know him. I, I worked with him since he was fourteen. You know, he's twenty nine now, um, twenty eight at the time, and I know, I know he'll ski better if you if you make those skis sharper. And his feedback to me was, "Well, this is what I learned from so and so down in Slovenia." And I said, "He's not wrong, but." He was also generalizing. You have to be specific and and cater to the needs of the specific individual. That's the reason why ski companies can't make the ski perfect for everybody. It's not possible. I think there's only one brand I've ever seen that says tune before putting on the snow. And it was head. You know, I don't remember. They used to have that sticker on the box when you got the skis. I mean, for junior racers, I, I never knew it because when we got heads, we just get them from the factory. And I never saw that, but heads that were coming to the ski clubs and so on. I remember a few years back, they had this sticker on them or something. Somebody watching this would probably know. Um, and they would say on it, need to be tuned before skiing. And it wasn't a joke. I mean, every ski company should say that, but they don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. The tuning's
1: okay. okay. Look, and the machines these days are amazing. There's no question. Um, but again, to tailor the skis to your specific needs these nuances make a world of difference
0: mm-hmm. yeah. so then on anyway on to spotting... answer your question
1: so so oh, I, yeah. I i said i said to him you know let me feel those watch this i grabbed the tools i said feel that he goes okay you want him that sharp i said i want them that sharp for tomorrow and as soon as he and then i walked away because I, I i know he's a great tuner I don't need to like teach him how to tune. I just needed to say for Jack, who he doesn't know as well as I do, he needs those sharper, and he did it. And he came out the next day, and he, I think he had an amazing result that day. I don't know. We were in we were in Italy somewhere, Europa Cup, you know. So it's just a thing. You,
0: if you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills, listen up. I've been working closely with the Carve team for over 4 years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode, and here's the lowdown. Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns, and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more. And as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself?
1: That's why it's so important. Jack was a good tuner. I taught him how to tune when he was a young kid. You know, he didn't know how to tune. His dad tuned for him. Or maybe he knew a little bit, but I taught him. And at back when he was young, we didn't have a technician. And I purposely did not tune his skis for him. I helped him. I would go to the tuning room with him. I mean, I did at times, but the majority of the time I, I let him do it. And, and he got really, really good at tuning skis. Jump forward to, like, trying to qualify for the Olympics. And, you know, he'd, he'd been a, you know, Europa Cup, World Cup skier for those seven years and so on and um you know he could just say without just exactly what he wants the skis to do and what to do so you just go and Mm. do it just execute the plan and the proof is in the result the next day
0: yeah you know it works hey um on the these pretty sweet tools that you've created i didn't know about this tool that i saw just today before this on your instagram the uh, top sheet planer what's it called well i call it a top sheet remover you could call it a planer top sheet remover yeah T- can, can you talk about that because i didn't know yeah. that was the thing like i know there's a sidewall remover yep. remove some of the sidewall so then it's yeah. easier to tune the edge I've explain got the what planer. this is and, and why because i'm like now like oh i think i need to do this to my new skis yeah
1: well that is that so what we described before i call that in our in our education system, I, I have four simple steps that I teach. I could teach 50, but I keep it to four. Otherwise, you're not motivated to tune. You go, this is insane. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Yeah. But once you do it and you realize the benefits, you will never go back ever. And you'll think, what a dummy I was for never doing this. Anyway, um, so the top sheet remover at the, at the tips of those, those skis behind you there, those vocals, you know, they come very, very square at the tips and at the tails. And a lot of people think, a lot of people just, a lot of people don't even know what a sidewall remover is, which is fine. It's one of these. And that that takes that step. So you got the sidewall, of the ski, and you have that little step beside it. And that, that, gives, that, that gives structural integrity to the edge from blowing out. Because a lot of people say, well, if we have to remove the sidewall, why didn't the factory just do it? That's a great question. And I always just say, well, because they don't. <laughs> no, but the truth is, it adds strength to the edge. And for the general public, they're not tuning their skis very often. So if they're hitting rock, it's going to be less susceptible to blowing an edge. For elite skiing, I don't, you know, I think you should remove some of it anyway, no matter matter what, I don't even worry about that. But so up to about this far from the tip and tail, generalizing again, depends on the ski and all these things, the sidewall step sort of stops. And then it goes into the top sheet and the the tip and tail of the ski. And they were very square up there, almost perpendicular, okay? Um, And that section of the ski is hard to get sharp after a while. So you have to profile that tip of that ski and the tail of that ski for two reasons. To be able to get the effective angle that you're trying to achieve. So for example, if it's two degrees on your skis, that's sort of the default these days on most skiers, general public. you 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 may have a hard time achieving that because you're going to get interfered with by that top sheet. So the 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 top sheet, remember, you can see. I don't know if you can see that on on a Zoom call, but uh, yeah, it's a huge angle. It's so, so it, this doesn't hit the edge at all, the steel edge of the ski. This this puts a an angle on that front of that ski, so it initiates better, releases better out of the turn there's less drag and friction in the snow when it's carving through ice and but the main thing is you can really put that effective angle and then when you get up into like slalom world cup skiers that are going four degrees on their side edges you need to you need to have that material out of the way otherwise you get interfered with and you can't get that edge and that's also i don't want to jump around too much here but that's also why on file guides you don't want to you don't want a spring clamp, in my opinion. We used to use them. You know those things that hold the file yeah, yeah. on the ski? Yeah. We have these things called trigger clamps. And with a trigger clamp, it, it locks it right down. You got to think of a, the spring on a clamp. If your sidewall isn't removed correctly, and or if your top sheet isn't removed correctly, well, that file is going to follow the contour all the way up without you knowing it right in the jaw of that spring clamp whereas a yeah. trigger clamp you're going to know because it's locked and it won't move and it's going to hit so if you look at the teeth of the file if there's anything other than steel coming out of that file well you have to stop that process right down there pick up either your sidewall remover or your top sheet remover and and do
0: more details you know so yeah that's a really key thing to know yep that is because i've got one of the um i've got one of your trigger clamp guides Mm. but it's just for for like a three degree and then the other one's just a normal two degree which i usually usually just use that but that's interesting because i was tuning some skis just a couple of days ago and yeah that's
1: it it makes a huge difference having that clamp mm, on there really does consistency you get perfect consistency and if you're going to get into this you you may as well do it right you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's that much easier to do it right than to do it sort of halfway. Yeah. And, and with so really good tools, you, you, it's, it's so easy. This is the other thing, Tom. Like, it's not a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But people, it's a daunting thing. I admit it when you start, because you see all these fancy gadgets. Oh, gosh, I'm not good with my hands. You don't even need to be, honestly. Mm. You just follow these four steps that we've created. I mean, I've watched all men, women, boys, girls, everything, everything, everyone can do this. You know, we're teaching kids to tune from, you know, the some of the, you know, using a diamond guide for example is a great way to learn the motor motor mechanics of, and then they can graduate to using the file guide later because the the you know messing up with a diamond guide, which is a diamond disc on top of a guide, is very inconsequential like you know if you're wearing a protective glove on your hand cut protective glove even if you slip off the edge you're not going to damage the edge and you're not going to damage your hand if you've got that thing on but if you give a nine-year-old you know one of these who doesn't really know what they're doing they don't have the dexterity or the forearm strength to really have a precision or a feel or really an understanding so these these diamond guides are really great training training tools for kids and and just for everyone, you know, a lot of skiers are now putting these in their pockets, and and you can tune right on the right on the hill. Or kids put them in their packs, and they take them to the start. Because yep. a lot of kids don't have two pairs of skis. You know, it, it, ski racing is not that economical, <laughs> and so at the younger ages, they they can't they don't have the luxury of warming up on one ski and then having the race ski. They ski and train and race on the same ski. So Some having ski. four runs of on really hard snow. That edge is compromised a little bit prior to getting in the start gate, for example. So after three, four runs, they can just they can just get that geometry back to that acute
0: edge, and boom, they're. And I'm sure I feel that because I uh, I've sometimes done that, or even like in Australia, thread just at lunchtime in my locker, diamond stone. It's not just a placebo thing, even though the diamond stone is not a file and it's not cutting it can you explain like why that's even just such a great even if you just outsource the edging to your to your shop yeah but you bought a diamond stone with a guide what are the benefits there because i I think it's a really important and such an easy thing to do and it prolongs it but can can you talk to the diamond stone maintenance i guess
1: sure well another i'll put it to you another way i think i touched on it there but i don't want to i don't want to take from this is a quote from another great tuner and i was like a great shop in town he said to me one time you know tuning is like you know it's geometry at the end of the day isn't it and I said yeah that's a good way to put it and you want to get that geometry you want to get that acute angle well just running a diamond stone back if you sharpened your skis yesterday for example and you go out and you run three runs on hard pack snow or really hard or five or six or ten or whatever it is those skis are not going to feel the same on run number three, four, five, six, and so on. They're progressively going to get worse. You'll start to lose. You won't have the same precision you had when you started. Let's put it that way. If you were to carry just a simple tool like this, assuming all the other parameters are out of the way, the top sheets are done, your base bevel's great. The, the daily maintenance of just doing, just diamond guiding your skis, which takes a minute per edge, literally 60 seconds times four, because you've got four edges game changer every day and that's what a lot of people don't realize yeah admittedly the setup of a ski brand new ski takes an hour and a half for sure
0: and and the and the mechanism that the the diamond stone is like doing to the edge is it kind of like knocking it cleaning it up and putting that that point yeah you're putting that you're putting that acute angle
1: back like a knife point you're putting that back on for lack of a better way to describe it at the moment, and yeah. it it it's um you know you get that you get that edge hold again and you get that confidence back and you you know it's a it's a really important thing you know for skiers and if you're like if you if you're if a lot of ski instructors are watching this and you're doing your ski instructor exams or you're or your ski racer watching this or you're just a recreational skier it's all it's all pretty much the same in my mind because it all relates to having fun and skiing better, you know, for the elite ski racer, it's certainly having fun because they're having a lot of fun, but it's about winning. You know, they want to win at the end of the day. It's a time sport from A to B. They want to get there as fast as they can and try to be on the podium. And, you know, if a skier, that's why, you know, you go to Chile in the summer and World Cup Slalom skiers have five or six or eight pairs of Slalom skis on the snow for one athlete because they only do one or two runs on each ski because the edges are compromised after those two runs you wouldn't continue to train on that same ski because you're not going to make any there's no training effect to that
0: yeah well you're never going to race on a ski that's right slippery, like you you know to have the
1: skis mimic exactly what you're going to do every training run and that's why i i really influence the kids and ski instructors or general public to at least have this in their quiver because what grit 400 400 400. not this color this is a blue one Um, you'd have the yellow one or gold gold i
0: guess it is that's 400 400. is a good as a good maintenance the one you keep in your backpack or your pocket to just bring back that edge again
1: it's amazing it's amazing what you can do you know like when i'm free skiing like i remember last year um my wife and my son we went on in between <laughs> in between competitions i was living in austria last winter in a little town called selmsay and at the end of the season i actually still had the motivation to go skiing because i hadn't skied that much because you don't ski when you're coaching <laughs> and uh i took them and i wanted the little guy to go skiing he's way too little to ski but i wanted to hold him which you're not really allowed to do but i wanted to. <laughs> anyway anyway long story short i i did all my tools were in our technician's truck but i had a i had a little quiver with me my school keys were all set up so there all, the only thing i really needed to do was after at the end of each day and that'll you can do that for two or three or four days and you bring that effective edge back to three degrees i think i had on those edges and uh it's just it's a game it's it changes your day i mean it's so it's really not fun even on medium soft groomers even powder skis you know the good guys are all tuning i mean darren ralph is a perfect example he he's he's such an ambassador to the sport and i really i really think he's a champion not in so many ways because he's he's one of the greatest downhillers super g skiers um you know ever I think, in, in particularly in the United States, but he—he's just—he does—he can do anything. And he went to ski across, and then now he powder skis with his son. He does big mountain stuff. Takes him to Alaska, and he said to me, "I tune—I—I I tune all my powder skis just the same way I tune my race skis." Yeah, that's
0: I mean, cool, there's a cause... reason
1: a guy like that's going to say that, and yeah. all the World Cup guys say that. You know, I—I've talked to so many of them that with their powder skis they tune them
0: all they want them to be the same yep it's funny because don't i mean i don't know you come across this but at at times sometimes people are are proud of the fact like oh yeah i tuned these like last season you know i'm fine look at me get around and like i think that (laughs) yeah like sure you can but yeah, you're just leaving something there that's making you work harder. That's oh, all yeah. it is. Well, you're, you're definitely leaving something great on a table for to be taken. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't understand that. But sure, I think you're right. There are a lot of people out there like that. I don't really meet people like that so much. I just meet people that just don't know. They just how don't important know. it is. They, they don't know yep. how important it is or they just never... You know, it's a thing you have to start like anything else. And it's a bit of it, like I said, sort of alluded to before, it's the daunting thing to start. But once you start, people are afraid they're going to damage their beautiful thousand dollar skis. I get it. I totally get it. But with good tools, not the plastic jobbies that you're going to buy. Yeah. From, back to the competitors. Uh, you know, a lot of those competitors were my mentors. So, um, but you they don't know you need
0: tools to do like i can i can speak to that because i i was introduced to your stuff from gord brown who was an ex-canadian uh national team coach and takes great pride in in tuning and he he gave a workshop to uh the group of people i was skiing with uh that season and and used the stuff and we all got to have a go at using it and we we all could then order some stuff and i do remember that i just remember feeling wow this is such uh like much more of a pleasure to tune my skis it was easier to do i also liked my gear because it had this shiny anodizer look it didn't wasn't just like i don't want to say like yellow but you know like it wasn't just a it looked they looked nice so i really uh, appreciate that about it. i can i can test i can like you know Say that it really makes a difference, uh, and I've still got the, the the tools today, and they're and they're still going strong. Um, so, what what would you say is a good minimum if people are going, yep, I mean, I'm I'm going to invest in, a, in in some home tuning equipment. What's the yeah. what's the minimum? Um, well, first of all, I have to
1: give. Um, I didn't know you know knew Gord so well, but I have to say you were in the presence of one of the world's greatest motivators and so definitely that helped you he's, <laughs> yeah. he, isn't he a great motivator he was yeah. he was also my um he was also my mentor coach from my level four so um Gord trained me not in ski tuning but in coaching okay <laughs> and, uh, yeah. when I was young in my formative years and he, he, he he's a wonderful guy and I I guess um I owe him more uh I didn't know he was such an, I knew he was a big advocate of side care, but I didn't know it was accurate. I guess I'll need to send him a care package for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Uh, your question was. Um,
0: the, the minimum basic, basic setup.
1: Yeah. The minimum basic setup. Well, just like, if you want to keep it really economical, get a file 150 mil or the 250 mil, either or 150 mil is a bit more user-friendly.
0: Are you saying that that's the length of it?
1: The length of this file.
0: Yes, yeah, hundred. You'll see it there. on our
1: website, sidecut.com yep. under the file section. Get yep. the cheaper version of this. If 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 budget is your thing and you're just like, oh, I don't know if I believe these guys. I'm just
0: the cheaper version of the base. That's what I've got. The, yep. I've got like the, the plastic 0.7, ones. 0.5, and plastic one. Yeah, you base. can buy
1: you can buy all three really economically for a quarter of the price you'd pay for just the one angle in, in the in the machine one. Um and that's what you would do for step one. And, and have a diamond stone go with a 600 grit diamond stone the black one okay three tools that's all you need for step one step two is really which is top sheet and um sidewall preparation i call it you can't really go a lot of people think well i don't need to do my sidewall i'll get the shop to do it well you do because as you tune your edge will Start You start to wear away your edge and you'll you'll soon meet up with your sidewall much faster than you think. This tool stays on my bench all the time and I'm using it every time I tune um, for a little bit. You'll find you're using your sidewall tool all the time. It is an expensive tool. You kind of can't get around it, but you need a good one. Um, Otherwise, you get chatter marks in your sidewalls and you just make a mess of it. You want one that cuts it, you know, ribbons and the technique is really important. So watch our videos how to do that. That's you need that for step two. You can't go without it. Can you go without this top sheet remover? Yes, you can. Now, what I was explaining before is is more high end. Do I think does it? Do I think everybody should do it? Yeah. <laughs> will <laughs> I do it to my <laughs> my son's skis? Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I will. Um, I can't wait to tune his seventy centimeter skis. <laughs> I'm going to really experiment with things with him. Anyway as he grows and um, so that you don't really need. And the cool thing about the top sheet, you can do the same kind of thing. I teach you technique in that advanced, in that uh, how to tune adult skis video, which is just 20 minutes in step two, you learn how to do it manually with that file. So now we're still only up to one, two, three, four tools. You move to step three, which is what everybody sort of knows how to do, which is tune their side edges. You need a file, a hundred mil file like this, the cut 14 would be your most user-friendly cut
0: and you need 14 a file okay
1: cut 14 and th- that number that that numeral just uh identifies how many teeth per centimeter that's all that okay. means we have cut 10s 14s 15s and 16s anyway and a file guide okay so now you're up to three four five six tools and you should have a diamond stone if you wanted to go really minimal, you could you'd use the same diamond stone you use on the base edge. Now we're still at six tools, you know, and you'd want to have a gummy stone. So there's seven tools. You'd want to have a little brush to clean out your files. There's File. eight tools. Um, you could get one at a hardware store. You could use other methods, but you know, like the intro kit has a gummy stone for. Removing the burr at the end, but you could also use a diamond stone for that. And that's, I guess that's the ninth tool. And there's one more tool in our kit. Um, well, in our, in our intro kit, you get a diamond guide. So we use this as the, as the filing unit. The guide. you probably can't see any of this very well. No, the, I can
0: see. Oh, you can. Okay.
1: And, um, and the diamond guide to polish. I like to file with this. It's a dedicated used tool for sharpening, dedicated tool for final sharpening and polishing so you're not switching things out so things become very efficient but if that's not a concern for you and time's not a concern you could do this all in about with about eight tools it's not that expensive to be honest even these high-end precision tools and and then step four is just waxing so you need an iron you need wax you need it's great can get away with one brush but you kind of need two, one for cleaning yeah. and one for finishing the wax and you and mm-hmm. you're done set of vices you don't need a fancy table um you can you can vices or clamps some people call them on on any table
0: really you know i think uh i mean you know when people i always remember you know tim ferris he's a podcaster and self-experimenter and you know business entrepreneur guy i always remember him talking about this concept of like I can't remember exactly how he said it, but it's basically the, the value given how much you're going to get out and use something. So you might feel like you're outlaying a lot of money initially and it's expensive, but when you spread it out over time, how much you're going to use and everything, it's actually kind of cheap versus, you know, you might think coffee's cheap, but when you buy it for once or twice every day for the whole entire year, yeah you know it's really expensive whereas you look at like a a tuning kit you buy it kind of once and it lasts a long time and and you get a lot of value out of it so uh,
1: i I couldn't agree more and this is another thing that always you know i say this to the club parents because i travel around different places and in fact different countries um outside of the my coaching profession i did you know teach tuning obviously um and and in, in these workshops, I often give the analogy to to parents, you know, you've spent how much money on these wonderful coaches, the program fees, all of the skis they need to be on. You've got everything. They got to go to dry land training. They got psych sports psychologists. You've got everything. You've got the Audi, the four wheel drive, the roof box. You've spent it all. But you have no tuning equipment. <laughs> That's like showing up to learn how to drive in Finland doing driving on ice with bald tires and you got the best coach (laughs) to teach you line and technique, but you just scramble around there like Bambi on ice. I mean, it doesn't make any sense really.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. We haven't talked much about the, about waxing, but it sounds like, I mean, it's important obviously. So the skis glide, but it's like the, the waxing part do you want to speak to that and and maybe yeah, why sure. we've spent more time on the edging like that like that the edge is a platform part like that's really what's going to make or break you your skis could be wonderful and glide but you know if you're slipping because you can't grip that's probably why we have spent more time talking about edges and so but yeah maybe you want to speak to waxing yeah, from
1: a from a you're right from a skill development perspective where, where i think you're coming from being a great skier and a, a great ski instructor and educator yourself you you know, if you really want to get the most out of your clients, I would, d- d- my advice to any ski instructor would be get their skis tuned or tune their skis for them and bring them back to them the next day. That should be part of the service. <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, if you really want results, that's that's going to really help you so you can focus on, you know, technical and tactical things and, and equipment not be the impairment. Um, yeah. But but um um, I digress you what waxing your, waxing yeah so waxing at that level at the elite level is really important for obvious reasons but I always use the analogy like for for us just general skiers having fun now Um, the tuning like if you were to compare it in, in a ski racing sense the tuning literally makes tenths to seconds of a difference literally from what it comes from the package to what you can turn it into whereas the waxing is literally hundreds. And as general public and as ski instructors and teachers and just out there having fun and, and skiing powder, we, we don't care about hundreds. We don't care about seconds. So the waxing is important only to protect the base. And protecting the base is actually super important because if you don't protect it, you know, friction is going to get the better of it and you're going to prematurely have to grind that ski more often than you need to. And then you got to start this whole procedure all over again and start these four steps. The beauty of tuning is these four steps is steps one and two. Once they're done on a brand new pair of skis, you're not probably, you're only going to detail certain things throughout the season on steps one and two. Um, Step three is the one you're going to do every day, which is the side edge, getting it, getting that ape, getting that acute angle back. And then you're going to throw some wax on it and then you're off. You want to protect that because because the base will start to change throughout the season. If you, you know, friction, it'll wear away. You uh, you you can burn it beside the edges and the only, and it'll start to ski funny, even if the edges are, the side edges are sharp, but the ski will start to do all kinds of funny things on you because the base isn't true anymore. The other yeah. thing that'll happen is that the beautiful structure that the machines put in the skis that eliminates suction and allow the ski to to glide better you'll eliminate that by not waxing it because the snow.
0: Well, I didn't really ever think of it that way as protection. I always just thought like it just makes the ski glide. So that's of course it's it really, well. yeah, but, but that part now I'm just more sold on waxing more often, because I don't want to go back and have to do steps one and two or all that stuff as much again yeah. and, uh, and keep those skis running yeah it it,
1: it is a big thing it's a massive thing and um a lot of people don't realize that they just tune and a lot of ski racers too by the way they just tune their skis and they skip step four um they skip waxing because they just run out of time you know in a practice you know it's a thing you run it's normal we run out of time so but a ski racer does it's like showing up to hockey with dull skates nobody does that i don't think so yeah yeah and, and 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 Good, you know, skis, skiers should not do should do this. A lot of people are listening to this program. Well, where I ski, it's soft.
0: Try this; it's really a game changing. Uh, uh, yeah, I can add testament to that because when I learned all this stuff or the importance through Gord influencing me, it was in Silver Star. Yeah, and you know that snow there most of the time is yeah, like skiing on ball. silk. Yeah, yeah so, but right. but I could feel it. And he would, he also speaking of part of the service when he would take the guests out, guess what? If you'd taken their skis home, he's like, this is not good enough. Tomorrow you're going to have a better day. Cause I'm going to tune these. And lo and behold, every guest, every guest just thought God was like the man. Yeah, exactly. Cause he made their experience better with all the things he could control. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, um, definitely.
1: I had a good po- point there with what Gordo was doing. Um, yeah, also, like, y- you know, if you're skiing bumps, if you love to ski in the bumps or the ski of the trees and they're tight and, you know, it's not always beautiful powder in the trees. Or if it is, it's gone. At least around here, it's gone in an hour. <laughs> and you're down to that hard pack in between the trees or spots of powder mixed with hard pack. Or like I said before, you're coming out of the powder Back on the green runs runs onto that marbly snow. And then if you're at a mountain like a coastal mountain, geez, the the snow at the top is like nothing at the bottom. It's like skiing 10 different conditions. So you really appreciate tuning your skis properly. You know, you want you you want to have fun with all your turns, not just the ones in the powder or just the ones on the ice. You want yeah. to have fun wherever you go, steeps, everything. So that's yeah. why it's really it's a fun thing it's very rewarding thing to do you know it's quite therapeutic as well you know you take ownership of this of this sort of like i kind of call it like it's like an ancillary skill um for for the younger athletes but for all of us and you know and and if you're a recreational skier you you know you just get you make this part of your regime and, and it's just—it doesn't take long. I mean, you can tune a pair of skis in, in fifteen minutes. I told you before, it an hour to have to set them up. But especially with the waxes that are out there these days, there's lots of wonderful waxes out there. But Nanox is one made in Sudtarol, just over the border of Austria in Italy. There, we, we've been using that wax for with great success for fifteen years now, and it's nanotechnology wax, which is amazing. You can scrape it while it's still warm. That's unheard of in the waxing industry. So you're scraping while well, the other ski is just on the wall. You don't have to wait a long period of time. You're brushing right away. You're there's it. less mess. Less, and you the ironing it in longer and spending ten minutes waxing it in doesn't take doesn't make it any faster or stay in the base any longer. And it and it really protects the base super well. It's super hard wax. It's amazing. And I will admit <laughs> to those to those uh powder skiers out there that don't have time to wax every day which is me too by the way um you know yes you can get away with nanox especially if you use it a lot at the beginning you can get away for a day or two and not wax and then brush the ski and it'll come up shiny again it's amazing stuff and it's fast so so you can tune the skis and like i said before in like five minutes literally a pair that you've set up all set up now you've You've gone out and you ski pretty hard, snowing, and the edges are compromised. Come back to the tuning bench, spend five minutes tuning it with just a simple tool like the diamond guide at four hundred grit, and then throw some nanox on it and scrape it in ten minutes, and add it all up, and you've done, you've done a pair of skis in fifteen minutes. I mean, for I just, me, for the price of a lift ticket, to have a way better day—that's for me, that's that's, a, yeah. that's an obvious choice.
0: Yeah. I was just laughing because I had a memory now after buying all the side cut stuff and learning from Gord, and going, wow, this is like really cool and makes a massive difference. The next season at Threadbow, because you know, as an instructor, you make peanuts. I started like advertising to the instructors. I'll tune your skis overnight. Yeah. And within like a week, I'd paid off all the gear. And then I was making money because I was like doing three or four pairs of skis. Uh, And I was just, just, just do like, most of the time was just, just, I didn't do the base as as good a check, but I would really do like the sidewall and the, and the side edge and then put a nice coat of wax and people were were loving it. And uh, yeah. yeah, So anyway, just saying for like, this is a way, if you, if you're not, you know, you want to pay off your gear quicker, you can learn and do the work of others who who can't be bothered. So true. There's so many young ski racers doing this too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great little side hustle. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and everybody and there there's there's more proof that it makes a difference So they wouldn't get
0: you to do it yeah exactly yeah i started and then i actually got uh i pissed off the local tuning shop because the people in the lodges started going oh i can this guy's like tuning it for for less and he brings it back the next day so i had to sort of just do it only for instructors after that but um yeah like it was it was people were appreciating it yeah i think there's you know, I, I hear that sometimes,
1: that the, the tuning shops get upset by by this. And, and I don't really understand it because the tuning shops are essential, critical to the ski industry. But so is all of the tools. I mean, you need each other. You need to take your skis back and get them flat or get, get them ground to the specifications that you like. And then you need to take them home in detail in the way you want. Or you certainly can't be expected to, and you certainly wouldn't want to grind your skis every single time, every week. Especially if you're skiing a lot, you want to maintain the way they, you want to maintain the sharpness or the way you like them for perfect consistency. So you have, you know, you maximize every day to its full potential. That That's my opinion. And then yeah. when, when when the skis aren't good, I take them to the best shop I know here, or if I'm in Europe, I know the the best guys and I take my skis in and get them grounded. That's just, those guys don't have any animosity. They get that.
0: That's how it works. You know know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris, um, sort of wrapping up here, I'm going to say, so so we've got our four steps. Yeah. Base, base preparation. And that was our discussion on on the, having the file guide and, and not assuming that whatever they come out of the factory at is what they're at
1: oh, check or that yourself be, or might be might might be optimal for your skill
0: level strength and, and that's uh, right and scale. people can people can then check out what's kind of the ranges I'm within based on that PDF on the sidecut.com education resources part and then yeah. we've got the step two which is looking at like I think that's the part that I think others will maybe not have seen as really as important which is the the sidewall removal and then even at a higher level that that uh top sheet kind of also removing so you can get a really consistent uh edge angle for step three and then and then finish up with um waxing yep that's been really helpful like super cool i'm motivated now to to be more involved with my tuning again i I sort of dropped the ball i think when you as you know when you have kids you sort of your time starts running out but i'm more interested in finding time to to do it and and i know with archie's kids being five now i know when they're tuned nicely i can see him really trusting that that ski a lot more and and i think kids get like that that part i've just realized i don't i think a lot of kids the people don't give their kids a good enough tune at that level. Oh, and that's so really, yeah. yeah. In New Zealand, it like it was so skills, hard. The, yeah. Impaired so by the was, yeah. And so I just, I, I was doing it quite often in New Zealand this season because the snow there, you know, you get that melt freeze and yeah. he wouldn't, he'd be scared because he couldn't grip, but um, tuned it. And yeah, he was able to start trusting, laying it over more.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. You know, when you dial in the equipment, also boots are a huge thing. Boots and tuning are, are, you know, you save a lot of time for coaches, instructors, if you can get those things dialed in first and then you can really make some massive, you can really change, help to instill changes in, in, in skiers.
0: Yeah. Thanks very much for your time, Chris. It's been, it's been excellent. Uh, if people are interested in, in really good tuning gear, and I think it is some of the best out there. You can go to sidecut.com, sidecut.com. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a, have a great winter. Oh, Thank you, Tom. You as well. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one I have to say I got to try it out this winter in Australia and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your Ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.